I love real games. Can I tell you guys? When we do <coughs> OSU games, and I tell Jenny all the time, when we play some team that has absolutely no chance of beating the Buckeyes, I don't care to watch the game. Is anybody else like me like that? It's like, okay, it was 75 to 0. Okay, that's not a game. Okay, that's called bullying. All right, just, I'm not, some of you are like, did he just say something bad against our Buckeyes? It's like, I, I, but you guys know what I'm saying. I, 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 like, I like it when it's a real game and there, there's competition. And uh, I, I told you guys last week about Jenny and I going to, uh, or she, she taught me football, or she taught me the plays and all that other stuff. I'm kind of embarrassed to even say that. And, and I remember when, when we were married for a while, and I wanted to surprise her, so I bought her one time, I bought her tickets to go to the Chicago Bear versus the Green Bay Packer game at Lambeau Field in Wisconsin. It was a Thursday night game. We went there. It was the, the whole thing was just a super cool experience. We loved every aspect of it, from getting there to shopping to, I mean, the, the whole thing was just super cool. So a few years later, I wanted to do something like that again. Well, that experience was really hard, especially if we're trying not, we did that a Thursday game, and it was hard to find that and stuff, and the tickets are crazy expensive and stuff. So we were doing a family reunion with the Liuzzo family up in Michigan, and there was a Green Bay Packers were playing against the, the uh, um, Detroit Lions up there in Detroit, and that's where we were going. So we got tickets, and we went there, and we were proud we were wearing the Packers stuff and everything, and we had to park way away from the stadium because that's just how it is. And the game was intense. It was awesome. And we were in, in the end zone, kind of in the corner and stuff like that. And um, they, they, the, the Green Bay was just barely behind. I can't remember, like three or four points, and they were barely behind. And I remember we got to the end of the game, and they made a play, and the game was over, and time was out, and the Packers didn't do it. And Detroit Lions, were, they were all excited, and they were high-fiving each other, and they're walking out of the stadium and all this and, and the official went back on there and he goes, uh, stop. And he goes, uh, there, was a, there was a call on the play. Packers has one more thing, but there's no time on the clock. So I'm like, can you even play a game when there's no time? I didn't fully understand what was going on. And, and so they had one more play to go. And so something happened and I'm like, what in the world? I mean, this is a cool way to end the game. So Aaron Rodgers goes back, he passes the ball, and I can't, I can't even explain the play because one thing, you can see a whole lot better on TV than you can when you get the cheap seats at a football game. So I'm like, what is, what's going on? All I know is there's chaos going on, and, and I thought he passed on the ball, but he didn't pass on the ball, and here's Aaron Rodgers, he's going back, he has the ball. The, the, I mean, I'm talking like he's at the 20, okay? He's got 80 yards to go or something, and he starts running forward, and he chunks the ball into the end zone, and one of the Packers, I don't even know who it was, jumps up, leaps in there. Everybody crowds around him. They all fall to the ground. And he gets up, and Green Bay Packers wins the game with zero time on the clock. None. And I mean, we were like all excited and freaking out. And every, every, uh, everybody else there was like, oh, boo. And, you know, I'm like, me and Jenny immediately, like Green Bay, good Packer fans would do, we zipped up our jackets, and we went out really quiet. <laughs> And they were not happy people, okay? And we had to walk all the way through, like, blocks to get to our car and things like that. It's amazing how things change when the two-minute warning happens in a game. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's like you pull out all the stops, and everybody gets serious. And, and I started thinking about in the, the game of life, when, when you get to the end of, uh, of life, and I, I believe that, that we don't know the day nor the hour when Jesus is coming back. So anybody that tells you, I know when God's coming back, 
I know when God's not coming back because whatever that dude says, he's wrong, okay? The Bible says no man knows the day nor the hour. Nobody knows when Jesus is coming back. But I do know that there's signs. It's kind of like the warning, and you can just hear the warning. And, and I'm, I'm watching the clock because I can't see the clock in the day and age in which we live. But I know that we're nearing the end. If you read the paper or whatever, and I, let me just tell you, the Bible talks about there being a great falling away. And there was this article that was just published, a lot of articles that were just published, about how Christianity is at its lowest point in U.S. history. It, it, about how we're becoming extinct and, and uh, a minority and how, how it's no longer becoming a Christian nation. Not just because they're not saying that anymore, but because of the fact is that churches are dying out. And there's all these publications of that. The Bible says that there'd be a great falling away. Sin would increase. The, the, the Bible talks about the technology that would be there. The Bible talks about Israel becoming a nation again. And they were in our generation we were able to witness in our generation the capital being put back in Jerusalem. That happened in our generation. And the Bible is very clear when you see these things, and Jesus was teaching, so likewise when you shall see these things, know that the end is near, even at the doors. It's almost like Jesus was saying in our terminology, know that the two-minute warning has sounded and it's time to get really serious for God. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't get be very serious before, because I think we were. But there's a mindset that changes. We, we, we go all in. We get off the bench. He said in verse 34, Verily, verily, I say to you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. I, I, I think there's a lot of things to be said about when we talk about this generation. Because if I was to say this generation, you know what most of us talk about? We talk about this generation's falling away from God. And this generation doesn't have a passion for God. And this generation is doing what's right in their own eyes. But what if there was a generation of us that recognized that we could be the last voice of God and instead of sitting on the bench, we begin to give it all we've got. We recognize that maybe we're the last voice of God and instead of complaining about this day and age being bad and falling apart, we rise up knowing that this day and age could be the last voice and preach that Jesus Christ is coming soon. There's a lot of things of people in the Bible that they got to experience that we never will get to experience. But have you ever, ever thought that we could be the church that goes up in the rapture and we get to experience something they never got to experience? That we could be that generation that God uses to do this? Before you get down and, and just say, whoa, but, but, but. Remember how we heard this series. Are we winning? When Jesus was talking to the disciples and he said in Matthew 16, 18, he said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The rock is the word of God, okay? Do you know why we take a priority to do what we're doing right now? This is our foundation in which we build our lives and our church. And this does not fail. This cannot fail. It is the word of God. It does not fade away or fail. Everything that we're doing right now, we build it upon the word of God. We preach, we teach, we sing it, we declare it, we share it, we obey it. That's what we do. And the Bible says, as long as we do that, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'm talking about our generation that shall experience that. Our generation gets to experience, even in the last days, as bad and wicked things should get, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. And I know that says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against me. All that Satan has cannot bring down the church as long as we're built upon the rock. But here's the big lie. It's people sitting on the sidelines with this mindset that they don't need me.
when reality, we're living in the time that we should be giving it all we've got where everybody gets off and everything. You know, nobody's just standing around when, we, when you get to the end of a game. Everybody's just like ready for whatever it takes. They're on their edge of their seat. But Satan messes with our minds. I'm talking about some of you, like uh, the age of me and the talents that I have or whatever. It's the mindset. They don't need me. We'll, we'll go to church and be like, well, they've got talent on the stage. They don't need me. We've got life groups going on, and they don't need me. They've got everything covered. I I can promise you from the creative team all the way, I can tell you that that is not the case, that we do need you, and Satan would like nothing more for you to get the mindset that everything's taken care of because he wants you to sit on the bench. Jesus, when he was with the disciples, he actually talked like this. He said, therefore, he said unto them, the harvest truly is great, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers, volunteers, church members into the harvest. You know what he's talking about? Jesus was saying, hey, there's a lot of people that need to be reached. But I tell you, the laborers have got to get off the bench to go to where they're at. So take your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to walk you guys through this about the, the time that we're living in, and the time of the game. It's, it's game day, but I'm, I want to bring more urgency than, than just it's game day, okay? It is game day. It's time to be active, like Pastor Chris was saying, but it's time to get in the game. And let me show you, as Peter was talking about that, I used Peter as a big illustration last week when we were going through this. Peter, Peter got this in, in, in 1 Peter 4.10. He says, as every man hath received the gift. And we talked about that last week. If you have the Spirit of God, you have the Spirit of God living inside of you. And God equips you to do what you normally can't do for yourself. But there's an action to it. Even so, minister the same one to another. Even so, minister the same one to another as good stewards the manifold grace of God. If you have received a gift, you should be aware of your gift. But God has a reason for giving you the gift. And he said that you can even so minister the same one to another. So let me, let me make this as practical as I can. So what, it, what, what is the action step? To, we, we serve on a ministry team. He said if you've received the gift, even so minister. The word minister in that passage means to wait upon. Now, I know a lot of you guys, when you leave here today, you'll probably go to a restaurant or something. Even if you go home, there's going to be somebody cooking and somebody serving. The idea is, is to minister is, is the biblical principle, is the Greek word there that means to take what we've received and to give it to other people, to, to deliver it. To it's like if you go to a restaurant, somebody comes up and they're going to minister. Actually, the full definition of this it means to be as a host or as a friend or as a teacher, to act as a Christian deacon, to do the role which a deacon in the Bible is a servant. It means to administer or to serve. When Logan was in the hospital, they would come in and they would administer the medicine. They would go get it, they would receive it, and then they would go give it out. They would minister. And the Bible was telling us that in the work of God or the family of God or everybody that has a gift, before you say, that's not me, if you have the gift of the Spirit of God, you are so to minister. There's no exception. It doesn't say except for whatever. It doesn't say that. Even so, minister the same one to another. It means to engage your gift to help others. To use your abilities to further gospel. To God, for God to work through the spirit of God living inside of you to make a difference. It's saying to participate in the mission. 
to help people find and follow Jesus Christ. That's what we do. It says it to, in verse 10 at the end of it, the same one to another, to minister to one another. It means that God has a purpose for us. Now I want you to back up a little bit. You say, what does that mean? What is the purpose of that? God had a plan for the church. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for ministry. He says in verse 8, you say this is, uh, doesn't connect. It connects so cool. Let, let me show you. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover a multitude of sins. It says fervent charity, passionately displaying God. Passionately, like fervent charity, persistent, consistent love that you display through your life one to another. Now it says at the end of that passage that you might cover a multitude of sins. And that's a weird concept because of the thing is, we know that it's only the blood of Jesus Christ that covers a multitude of sins. This is not saying that you serving God in a passionate way eliminates sin. That's not what it's talking about. But it is saying that the church is a bunch of people that are just sinners. As we all have faults and failures. People get around us long enough, they're going to be like, oh, so you're not perfect. No, we're not perfect. None of us are perfect. But that's a mindset that people have. But he did say this in the, in the application that he said, but when people get around you and you display the love of God through your life, through how you serve and how you interact with people, all of a sudden they don't notice just the flaws that you have. They see the love that you show, that there's something that covers a multitude of sins inside of us. It's the love that we show for one another. That's why we go above and beyond to make this place the closest place to heaven. Church should be the closest place to heaven. You know why? Because it's a bunch of Christians that show the love of God, that worship God. We, we, this should just be kind of like a, a sample or a, a, the trailer, the teaser for what we get in heaven. We love each other. We worship God. We're there. We serve God. All these things that we're going to do in heaven, it should be displayed through the church. That's why he says in verse 9, and, 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 and God, hear, hear my heart as I share this. 1 Peter 4, 9, use hospitality one with another. So he said, have fervent charity one for another. He said, minister one to another. In the, in the middle of that, he said, you should use hospitality. The word hospitality means that you're fond of guests. It means that you're hospitable. It means that you're given to the use of being, uh, to give in hospitality. That, that means that we should be ready to serve people that come through the door. It means that we should have an active heart to not be the, this kind of church. We are not this kind of church. You guys hear me out. Where somebody claims a seat and somebody comes in and sits there and you go, you're sitting in my seat. That seat doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. And I'm not saying, well, I, I, I praise God that we don't have those kind of problems. But has anybody ever heard of those kind of things happening at other churches? You know what I'm talking about? You, you name and claim it when it comes to a seat in the church. And people are come in and like, how does that make that person feel? Oh, I didn't know. I didn't see your name on it. Well, I paid for that for all my years of being faithful to tithing to this church. Big whoop. Okay. But some, we have that mindset. You're in my way. You know what the Bible says? He said you should treat people the way that Jesus would treat people when they come into the church. They might not know Jesus, but they might meet you and they should experience Jesus because they experience you. And if there's any place that they experience Jesus of us collectively showing the love of Jesus Christ together, it should be the church. Church should be the closest taste of heaven that we ever experience on earth. 
But a lot of times people have horror stories of what they've experienced at churches. You guys know what I'm talking about? They have horror stories. Like uh, of being uh, pushed out or you, you were wearing a hat in the sanctuary. They walked in with a cup of water. I've, I've heard all these things. And they were like, you can't have them. Like pushing them out. You know what they need more than your opinion? They need Jesus. That's what they need. They need Jesus. They need to hear the love of Jesus. He talked about using hospitality, being friendly and caring and serving Jesus. Jesus didn't say, you're in my seat. You know what he did? He got out of his seat, got on his knees, took off, of, took off his outer robe, and he washed their feet. That should be the heart of the church. But let me show you what that looks like in an, in an everyday experience of people coming here. Because people already have the mindset that if they come to church... That they're going to be a bunch of holy rollers that, that are better than everybody else. You guys know what I'm talking about? You've, we've all heard people say, like, I'm not going to church. When I was five years old, I had this experience. And everybody, you know what we need to do is show them Jesus, not, not remind them of the past experience that they had. Here's a practical thing. We try to do this as a church because when the Bible says, even so minister, minister and show hospitality, we do that. Let me show you our teams. We're talking about serving on ministry teams. We have, we have our first impressions ministry. Our first impressions ministry is one of the most vital ministries that we have in the church. You know why? Because people, according to all the statistics, most people decide if they'll ever come back to the church within the first seven minutes of walking into the, the property. Do you know why that is? It's not so much what the pastor does. They want to know what the experience of what you do. They, they want to know if your life has been changed and if you are authentic. You want real, you, people are done with fake and, and phony they, they don't want ritualistic and all this. You know, they, they are looking for people that are chen, genuinely changed by Jesus Christ. And it should show through our attitude. From the time that people walk in the parking lot or drive into the parking lot, walk through the parking lot, go to the door. So it, it's a matter of serving with your talents and abilities and that gift of mercy and the gift of administration. Be able to stand at the door and walk, welcome people through the door. Then, then they come into a place that is safe. Because we've got people in the parking lot that are driving around to keep your car safe. And they come in and we lock the doors and unlock the doors and watch the cameras. And we serve on a team so that people can drop off their kids and say, I feel comfortable to listen to the gospel because I know my kids are safe. Then we have FBC kids. It's not a daycare. We're not entertaining kids so that you can come be in big church, okay? That's not the goal. The goal is that we can have people that genuinely love kids and we pour into their hearts who Jesus Christ is, that we can train up a child and where they should go and we plan into their minds what the gospel is from a child. And they learn to worship God and they learn to serve God and they learn to sit and they learn to obey and they learn to love the word of God through all these things. There's people that have to do that. But there's people that are sitting on the bench going, they don't need me. And then you go into the classroom and they're over there, God sent somebody to help me. <laughs> it's amazing the churches that people will feel overwhelmed doing what they do and doing what they love. But because they don't have enough help, they eventually lose the love and passion that they have for that ministry because they feel overwhelmed. Because they're doing it by themselves while somebody else is believing the lie that they are not needed. We have our creative team that is a ministry in our church that is just way different than it used to be. That we publish online and we share Facebook messages and we share online services and the things that get typed onto the screen and the person that pushes the button for it to go on the screen and adjust the lights and the people that sit up there to post it online and the people that answer the questions and the people that take the pictures. 
You say, man, I, I, I love photography. And I, I, Kristen Taylor will sit up here and she'll take pictures of the people being baptized. That she can share that. People will be able to know that something's happening in Fellowship Baptist Church. She's part of that. We've got Nathan and these guys and John Allen that's standing on the camera right now. As I go back and forth, I try to make John Allen get his workout as I'm doing up here. That dude is like, you walk around and say, why is that guy so buff? It's because Pastor Tony runs around the stage. It's like, but we've got every one of these ministries. We, we've, got the, we've got the creative team and the worship team that, that they stand up here in the choir and the worship band and worship team. And, I, and I, 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 it drives me crazy that somebody will have a talent and ability to play the guitar or play the drums or play whatever God's telling you. And, and you use it for a country club, but you won't use it for Jesus. And I guarantee you there's people sitting in the church right now that you have a talent and ability. And the question is, what are you doing with it? Praise God that you have it. When it comes to facilities in our church, we have people that cut the grass, clean the windows, clean the toilets so that you can come in and have a clean bathroom on Sunday. We have people that work in our student ministries in real life that jump in the forum and mentor the next generation. They don't do it just because they're bored on Wednesday nights or Sundays in the places that they're active in mentoring and things, but they're, they're engaged in those ministries because they love the next generation. They understand that they are the next church planners that are going to come out of fellowship. And I said next church planners because I want to plant another church. We're not done. God's not done. You know why? Because Columbus needs churches. The world needs churches. If, if, the, if, if you say this day and age where they're closing churches, then let's rise up and let's plant more churches. Where there is no vision, the, the people perish. May we be a church that has a vision, not to fill just the pews of Fellowship Baptist Church, but to plant churches in Columbus, Ohio. We're on a mission, church. We're on a mission. I'm not building the kingdom of Fellowship Baptist Church. I serve the King of Kings, and I serve, I, we're building His kingdom for the glory of God. That's what we're doing. But I cannot do that. None of us can do that if we're sitting here. Cannot do it from the bench. We cannot do it from the lie that people think in their brains that they don't need me. Yes, if you have the Spirit of God, even so minister. That's what God's called us to do. We serve on a team. It says in verse 10, And even as man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You know what a steward is? Someone that's been responsible for something and you, and you use it properly. It's like we talk about you need to be a good steward of your money. You need, you need, it belongs to God. It's stewardship when it comes to money. God says you need to be a good steward of the talent that you have. If you sit on it, you're wasting it. Don't waste your gift. As a good steward of the manifold grace of God. It says, if any man speak, let him speak of the oracle, oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it. You know, that's an action phase. Let him do it. That, again, that in God all things might be glorified through, through Christ. To whom be the praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. It's, it's, there's, there's, there's an action to it. You're, you're accountable to it. I, I gave the illustration before last week about those sitting on the bench and talking about, man, I wish, I, I wish you know, in, in that context, it would be like, I wish somebody would do a better job blocking or a better job catching it. But in our context, we're, we're like, I wish people would do a better job reaching the next generation. You're observing. You have a talent and ability and you're not using it for the glory of God. Don't waste your gift. There's the bench sitters. Then there's the guy that knows the most about the game. 
Do you guys know who it is that knows the most about the football game? Does anybody know who it is? Shout it out. Who knows the most about the game that's going on? Shout it out. You're all wrong. It's not it. It's the guy that walks in. He gets the nachos. So when I'm talking, he gets the nachos and he gets the big gulp drink. He gets out of breath getting up the steps. He's like, you know what I'm talking about? He gets out there. He gets into the bleachers. He sits down. He has got a drink on this. He's over there. You're like just going at it. You know, this is the most exercise he had in a week. You know, he's got the nachos going to this time or whatever. And then he stands up and out of breath. There's like, what was that? You could have did better. You know, you know what I'm talking about? The fan that if he was out there, he would have caught that ball. If he was out there, he would have never made it off the bench. That dude broke a sweat just getting his nachos. I'm joking, but I'm not joking. The people that watch from a distance are usually the most critical people in the church. The people that have no skin in the game, they haven't practiced, they haven't showed up for practice, they don't come early, they don't work in the worship team, they don't help with the kids' ministries, they're not part of the planning, they're not part of the setup, they're not part of the cleanup, they're not part of the vision casting, they're, they don't drive a van, they don't drive a bus, they don't teach the class, they don't run the wagon, they do nothing. But I'll tell you what, you want to get their opinion? Oh, they have an opinion. They'll stand around the water cooler the next day and being like, well, if so-and-so would have done his job catching the ball. And yet, you take the other side of it. Take those two guys that worked and worked and worked and they served and they served and they served and they run up and they get the ball and they fall down and they're short or they get step out of, ground, out of bounds and that other player goes up, picks them up and says, dude, you're awesome. You did a great job. You know why? Because they both put their hearts into it and all that they might have fallen short. They did it together and they have each other's backs. Don't be that guy. You guys hear me? Don't be that guy. You hear people that are from a distance and they're like, I'll tell you what they should be doing and all that other stuff. Just ask the question, what are you doing to help? And if, and if they are a Christian, you know what I say to you? Even so minister one to another. You have an obligation, my God, to do these things. God's called us into these things. He said, even so, minister the same one to another. As good stewards. Serve on a team, one with another. And don't waste your talents. It's time to join a team. Here's the next thing. It's time to give it all you got. Now, I know you've already picked up on this, and I've already kind of hinted at this. But notice what it says. He says, if every man has received the gift, even so, minister the same one to another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak of the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God had given. See, we serve God, but we serve God in his power. To have the mindset that they don't need me. Sometimes the mindset is, I can't, I can't do what they do. And I know this kind of overflows with what we're doing. But guys, it's not about us doing what we do in our power. You know the difference between a church service and, and, and an authentic like worship service? It's when God does it, not man does it. It's when God steps in and you can experience the working of God and the touch of God and the moving of God through what we do. And it's not about what we do. If anybody serves in our church, let me tell you, it is so vitally important that you spend time with God alone before you ever spend time behind a class where I'm teaching or preaching or whatever you do. 
If you're going to be part of this choir, make sure that you're prayed up before you get out there because it's not about your voice that we need. It's the Spirit of God working through that. Even if you stand at the door, let, let me be Jesus Christ today. Let me show the love of God. Guard my mouth. Guard my brain. Guard, send me to people, Lord. Help me to be sensitive to those people that are coming in that feel like an outcast or they're lost or they don't feel like they belong. It says even so, as God gives the ability to do that, it needs to be God working through us. Not us doing it, but God doing it. We've got to give it all we've got. But I'll tell you, it's, it's the Spirit of God working through us. It's not about our talents and abilities. But then he said in verse 8, But above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. He doesn't just say charity. He doesn't just say love. He doesn't just say that. He said, let it be fervent, consistent, powerful, pushing forward. There's a drive behind you. There needs to be passion behind what we do. Serve God with passion. If you, whatever you do, I promise you, you would do a better job by staying home than you would be to come here with a grumbling attitude where you can't stand kids and yet you're teaching a kids class. Or they're singing in the choir and it looks like you've been sucking on lemons before you got up there. Or we get up and we have a bad attitude about everything or we're grumbling in the hallway. He said, use hospitality one with another without grudging, without the bad attitude. I mean, you talk about giving it all you got. We need to be the team players. We get off the thing, and we're high-fiving each other, and we're praising God. There needs to be an atmosphere of worship, not an atmosphere of just talents. To serve God with passion. Let me tell you our mission statement. We'll say it all the time. We're here. We're a family helping people to find and follow Jesus Christ. But we have an extended version of it when we say when we have time. We go above and beyond. Listen to me. We go above and beyond to help people find and follow Jesus the Bible makes it very clear. Whatever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. If you guys are up here singing, do it with all your might. If you're serving in the teen class, man, do it with all your might. If you're, if you're changing diapers in the nursery, you clean toilets or you clean windows or you do whatever, you drive a bus, do it with all your might. Don't hold back. Don't, don't let the world serve with passion as they get on a stage to sing about whatever and yet we get to church and we're, we're doing things half-heartedly and you show up late and you book out as soon as you can and there's no fellowship and no interaction. You know why we went to two services? Do you know why there's so many empty seats in here right now? So that somebody right now could have gone to the first service that they could sit here and listen to the word of God and now they're watching your kid. And they're serving in the security team right now. And they're standing at the door and they're setting up connecting point. They're, they're upstairs doing these things so that you, can, that you could sit. But you know what? There's got to be a tag team where somebody gets off the field and they are able to get a breather to where the next one goes in. Because let me tell you, if we get into the mindset that it's all about serving and we never sit to worship, then you're going to run on empty and there's nothing to give. And you're going to walk into a class telling them, you need to grow up and be faithful to church while you split to the parking lot when you're done serving. It's hypocritical. We all need to be part of worship and we all need to be part of feeding of the word of God and receiving of the word of God. We need that. We went to two services so that you could actively participate in serving, but you could actively participate in worship at the same time. It's so important because I want to give it all I've got. 
We serve God with passion. There's, there's this illustration that the Bible gives us. And he says, he talks about end times in the church. He said, I know thy works. That thou art neither cold nor hot. I, I, I would that thou were cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. It's talking about the passion of the church, that the church would lose passion. So I'm curious. We, we know this illustration probably best from coffee. Because we either like iced coffee or we like hot coffee. Okay, so let's do a survey. I've actually got this. How many of you guys like hot coffee? You know, raise your hand. You're hot coffee people, okay? So that's probably most of you guys, all right? There's hot coffee. How many of you guys like iced coffee? Like, raise your hand. Oh, it's about even in this service. Okay, it's like, so we've got, and, and the reason why the Bible didn't say, just using the illustration, that I wish that you were hot for God, you know, it was the idea that these are, these are kind of extremes, if you were to be in a room and you were to grab a hold of the iced coffee that is filled with ice, there's something actively happening inside of that that makes it different than its surroundings. If you were to grab a hold of hot coffee and you, tell, you go, oh, oh yeah, that feels good, that's hot. You can actively tell that there's something actively happening inside of that that makes a difference. So you see, the Spirit of God works inside of us and it makes us fervent in spirit, passionate. Whatever thy hand findeth to do, do with all thy might. Run the race that is set before you. I, I, I press for the mark of the high calling of God. You guys know what I'm talking about? Nothing in there does the Bible say, do it half-heartedly as unto the Lord. I mean, you, you're not going to find a verse like that. Whatever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all your might. Go all in with it. That's what this illustration is. Do you guys know how to make that look warm? Do you know how to make you lukewarm? By the way, lukewarm, according to the Bible, Jesus says, it makes me sick. I'll spill you out of my mouth. Do you know what you have to do to make that lukewarm? Nothing. Just let it sit on the bench. And it will adapt to its surroundings. You guys, is everybody picking up on what I'm saying? You say, I'm not needed. All you have to do in order to be just like everything else in this world that everybody's used to is just do nothing. It's the easiest thing to do. And the, the Satan will tell, well, you're, you're at a certain age or you don't have the talents or you don't know whatever. I appreciate Matthew's testimony of him getting up saying, you know, I'm not letting anything hold me back. I'm going to be actively serving God with my talents and abilities. There should be something different in us. People get around us. And they're like, oh, I know church people. I know that church. And they get in there and all of a sudden when it comes to the choir, they go, whoa, what? That's really hot. That's, I could, there, there's something distinctly different about us. And God was saying, I wish that you were cold or hot. It's time to join a team. It's time to give it all you got. It's time to make a difference. Say, what is our goal? It's not to make much of us. Now, I want you guys to see this, how important this is. You see, through serving, we find fulfillment. And this is such a big deal. It's not just what we do for God, but it's what God does through us. It says, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of what? The manifold grace of God. I don't know why God lets me do this job. I don't deserve it. No, it's the grace of God. 
but I love it so much. I see cars pulling in the parking lot. Dear God, please don't make them come here just because I have an outline. Because my, I have a hard time just pronouncing words in the Bible. I'm a redneck from Alabama. But I love God so much. I don't have to do what I do. I get to do what I do. It's the grace of God. Do you guys get it? When I understand that I am called by God to something to do it, I cannot do it myself and I don't deserve to do it. And he calls me into something. It's the grace of God. And you get inside that ministry of you singing, you preaching, you teaching, you leading kids. Do whatever. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna find fulfillment that you could never ever find anywhere else in the world. I look forward to doing this every week. I look forward to doing this. I ask God to let me do it more and more. I ask God, don't be done with me. And I'm not, I, I know I sin and I fall short and I'm not perfect, whatever. And you say, then why do you keep doing it? Because of the grace of God that allows me to do what I don't deserve to do. There's so many people that go through life and they're so empty. They're so empty. I'm talking about church going people that you're just hollow. Because going to work on Monday and just making money and paying bills and all that doesn't fulfill you like you can when you minister, when you get a chunk of uh, uh, the love of God or you get a hold of something that you bring it to kids or you bring it on a go team or you bring it to the community or you bring it to the door or whatever. And it's like, wow, I got to be part of that. Man, God is good. And he stirs you up to want to want to do it again and you just administer the love of God. It's not about you. You're just the delivery person for who God is. And that's where you find fulfillment, fulfillment because you're doing what you were created to do. But then through serving, we bring glory to God. It says in the last part of verse 11 that God in all things might be glorified through Jesus Christ to Him be the praise and dominion and forever and ever. Did you notice at the end of so minister fervent love and use hospitality and everything he said he doesn't say so that you could get the applause you know what everything that we do you know what we do we just simply do this I point to Jesus at the door I don't want them seeing I don't want them seeing me open a door I want them to see something I want them to see a smile and a love and a joy and a peace I want them just to see something they, they, they sing the choir I, I want from the choir them to just see me pointing to Jesus Christ through my smile and my attitude and my actions and my tears and I want them to see Jesus Christ and in the kids class they'd be like man they, 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 they might have you know never had like eloquent words or whatever but man I saw Jesus in my teacher it's for the glory of God you know what you know what I, the simplest explanation of the glory of God could simply be this I just point to him it's not about me people say you know, the message today, everything that I want to do, I just want to be up here saying, look at Jesus, look at Jesus, look at Jesus. Through our journey with Logan, just look at Jesus, look at Jesus. He's the real deal. He'll change your life. He loves you. He's got a plan for you. I believe that God's coming back soon. It's time to get off the bench.
It's time to go all in for the glory of God.